Hi everyone, it's John and Ben and welcome back to Santa by the Minute, the podcast where Ben and I talk about 1985's Santa Claus the movie. One minute at a time. And this week is quite the milestone minute, minute 104, <laughs> which turns out to be the last minute, if you can believe it, of movie proper before the credits start to roll. Crazy. I cannot believe that we have done this. It's awesome. It's amazing that absolutely nothing has happened in the world <laughs> since we started this podcast. Nothing at all. It's been pretty boring. Nothing. Nothing of note, except Santa <laughs> by the minute. Um, before we start into minute 104, okay, can I just can I just add a little note here? While I was editing the podcast for this week, so minute 103, as I was editing it, we were talking about how. Santa asked Joe if there was anything he wanted and that he never asks for anything. And then Santa said that he didn't get anything. Right? He goes, uh, but you haven't gotten anything. But Joe, but it, this is not actually Christmas. So Joe wouldn't get anything because it's not actual Christmas. But Chris, didn't Joe just get the patches elf sculpture yes the elf portrait yes the elf portrait so he he did get a present for christmas so santa's mistaken i mean i know that it was just a couple minutes ago in movie time but it was a long time ago for us (laughs) and i was listening to it while i was editing i'm like no he did too get a present because he just got his elf portrait of patch maybe that doesn't count I think Santa may have been just speaking generally, like a lifetime of no presence Mm -hmm. until the elf portrait. And if he had clarified like that, I think the line would have been a very clunky. Like, (laughs) Joe, I know up until this point before I gave you the elf portrait that you haven't got anything for Christmases. I know, I know, I know. I just thought it was funny that it was like, no, he does too. He had gotten a present, so... I mean, this wasn't in the movie anyway. This was in the book. And also listening back to that last minute, the way it comes off in the movie, Joe just assumes he's staying there. Like, I'm I'm here. I'm moving in. But what about Corny? (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That's true. He never, they never invite him in the movie. He just moves in. He's like, I'm a coming. But everything during that happy ending happened so quick that I never even gave a thought to it until, until this podcast. Maybe it was just an assumed that he was going to the North Pole with Patch to move there with them. Like maybe that was something that him and Patch had worked out. Maybe. Patch had invited him back. So it didn't matter what Santa said patch had invited him already i still feel like the movie lost lost a bit of the heart taking taking yeah. out that plot point of claus and anya never having a kid of their own and then taking in joe as their son anyway okay sorry i just had to uh i had to get that out before we started this this minute so let's get in to minute 104 it sounds weird saying that wait till we get to minute 108 <laughs> I think tears will be shed. I don't know. Are you going to get emotional during minute 108 as our podcast winds down? No. (laughs) (laughs) I've had a good time. Well, the podcast isn't over. That's true. You know, we just the movie is over. (laughs) I'll be excited that we reach the end because honestly, I didn't think we were going to. (laughs) I (laughs) I think the audience (laughs) didn't think we were either for for a while there. Yeah, that's true. So our minute begins as the wooden blue chicken, 
finishes making its cuckoo clock noises. I'm not sure why they chose a chicken to make cuckoo clock noises, but we're just going with it. It's a bird. True. Close enough. Then we see a nice close-up shot of that giant wooden elf clock that keeps track of the seasons as opposed to the time. Right. We talked a lot about this. Please go back to Minute 20, entitled Clock Talk, for an in-depth discussion. But did you have anything else to say about this clock? Seeing a nice... Nice shot of it Clean here. Version. Yeah. Yeah. I I didn't uh, go back and listen to our podcast that we talked about the clock, but I think whatever it is we assumed, um, I am pretty sure that looking at it in this nice clean version, we could very much tell that it is the year divided into four quarters, spring, summer, autumn, and winter. And they go by, they have month one of spring, month two of spring, month three of spring, and then it goes to summer for three months and continuing on. So they don't have it like a a strict, you know, 30 day calendar like we have. They just kind of have like the, you're at the beginning and then you move to the end (laughs) of spring, summer, autumn, and winter. And the hands on this clock in this shot do seem to be accurate because it's like in Mm -hmm. between winter and spring. Yes. I believe we've seen these little cuckoo clock type figurines of the elves that come out of the little doors. One of them's holding a a little bell and the other has like a little hammer to hit the bell. We saw it way back at the beginning when they start doing their first elf working montage. When they wake up out of their beds, this starts that whole sequence. Oh, that's right. Mm -hmm. Now the camera pans down as the elves march out. Of, like, all corners of the screen. They're all holding hands, hand in hand. Elf dancing. Prancing, if you will. Through (laughs) the toy workshop. Up and down the stairs. Around the closets. As Making Toys plays on the soundtrack. And as the camera's panning out, we get a really good glimpse of the elf-made television. That Mm -hmm. earlier Santa caught the global patch bz christmas 2 commercial on no it'd be christmas 1 it was the it was the uh lollipop commercial right right yep i don't i've been trying to figure out this globe i i don't understand the what it's showing them (laughs) yeah so the elf tv there's the box the tv part yeah but attached to the top I assume what has to be operating as, like, the antenna is this giant wooden globe. And then it has, Mm -hmm. like, little little things sticking out of it. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's, like, where the signals are coming from across the globe, maybe? Uh, Maybe, yeah. Maybe they connect the TV to a certain part of the globe. So that's how they know what area of the world they're watching. I don't know. And if I'm if I'm remembering correctly, even though there's no mention of this television at all, it's just there. It just happens mm-hmm. to be there in the movie itself. The mm-hmm. book did make a reference to Patch inventing the TV. Yes. But I can see why they cut that out of the movie. I'm sure we said this before, because it makes no sense of being of Patch being baffled by the idea of television when Beasley's right. running the idea past him. Exactly. <laughs> We also see the seesaw that's attached Mm -hmm. to the bellows that we saw the twins operating earlier to warm up Groot's cauldron. 
I don't know if I noticed it earlier, but there's like a really goofy animal face. Like, I don't know, almost like a Muppety type face. There's like a big Google eye on the end of the mm-hmm. seesaw. And it looks like two elves can sit on either side of the seesaw. I think they're little dragons. Oh, yeah, that would or, make sense. Or horses, maybe? We see Santa dancing with Cornelia. Joe is dancing with Anya. When we talked to Carrie Kameheim, she confirmed that this was one of the very first scenes, or the very first scene she filmed, because they had to get these big elf-heavy scenes out of the way because they only had a certain number of days with all the actors who were portraying Santa's elves. We see a little cluster of elves off to the left-hand corner of the viewer's screen, like a ring around the rosy, but very, very close quarters. And there are some familiar faces all dancing around in a circle. Mm-hmm. It's Gooba, Goobler, Groot. He wasn't in the last minute, but he snuck in under the wire for one last appearance. And Dooley. Yes. And at one point, Gooba takes off his hat. Takes off his hat. Is that a sign of the times changing? Because I remember that was very significant in earlier minutes in the book. But anyway. There's t- I think there's two of them doing that. Groot takes off his hat for a second, too. But I noticed Scuba taking his off and really shaking it around yeah. in the air. Like, yeah! yeah. <laughs> and then as the camera starts panning out more, we see all the elves dancing. na 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 There's a line of elves, led by Patch, doing <laughs> like a Rockette-style kick dance. Yes. <laughs> And, and the lineup here is Patch, okay, Honka, mm-hmm. and then there's another elf there, but then we move on, there's Vout and Boog, but in the middle, smack dab in the middle, taking part in the kick line with Patch and his three pals, is Puffy. Puffy, <laughs> you know, we get a glimpse of it here and there in these last two minutes. Obviously has warmed up to Patch and his buddies. Even though there's been no resolution whatsoever. I asked last week, what is the status quo up at the North Pole now that Patch is back? Ben, what does the book say? How was this (laughs) going to be resolved? Okay. So I believe, um, you know, there's no like dance party in the book. So this takes place before the party begins, I would imagine. But right after Joe and Cornelia say school and then Santa Claus ho 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 laughs. And then here it says Patch stepped forward to meet his old rival Puffy and offered his hand. In both their minds now was a fresh understanding that the old way and the new were not so separated by an unbridgeable gap, but part of a vast spectrum of possibility. Patch's belief in change and innovation could make everyone's lives, both elves and children's, happier, but only when it was combined with Puffy's respect for tradition and careful workmanship. The two elves shook hands, resolving in their hearts to seek a real meeting of minds and skills in the coming year. The elves around them cheered until the rafters rang. Much like the Son of Santa plot point, I feel like this was the moral of the movie 
and it just got totally glossed over in the final edit. I like how in the book it clearly states Patch stepped forward to meet his old rival, Puffy. Now, the only reason we ever pit Puffy and Patch against each other was because of something you said early on about how Puffy and Patch had, like, this very subtle, like, Puffy, you know, like, kind of argument. But, like, even before, like, you could just see it on the screen, but it was never actually really played no, it, out it other wasn't, than the assistant it, thing. That was it. It was never explicitly, explicitly said. No. So I, I thought it was like, oh, hee hee, this is a fan theory. But mm-hmm. no, that's what was intended the whole time. And yeah. now there's like, okay, we got a happy ending. That's great. But <laughs> did anybody learn a lesson in this movie? Did Santa, did Patch? I mean, everybody's happy, which is great. But I feel like things could have been wrapped up to make the moral a little more clear. Because as it stands right now, the moral is almost like technology is bad. (laughs) (laughs) Things should never change. And Patch learned his lesson. (laughs) Yeah, we only have the we only have the ending due to the book, not because of the movie. You know, this also says here. I'm going to read this to you. Santa Claus smiled as he listened to the cheers and looked around him at the smiling faces, happier than he had ever been in his life. And that was a considerable amount of time. (laughs) His family was complete and as was the elves community again. It seemed hard to believe that this time yesterday he had felt that all was hopeless, that the world's children had forgotten him and forgotten the true meaning of Christmas just as surely as he felt that anything would be possible now. He had faith in the children who were the future of the world, and he realized now, looking down at Joe and Cornelia, that faith would never truly fail any more than the children would fail to believe in him. He thought back to his first Christmas year and to all the countless Christmases in the between. Tomorrow he would begin to prepare in earnest for next year, for the most special and wonderful Christmases of all. So it's a happy ending for all. The making toys, music transitions into some beautiful Henry Mancini score. As we pan up from the elf village it, and the camera rises up into the clouds. The instrumental continues. It's a beautiful bookend to the beginning of the movie. You remember when the camera panned down through the night mm-hmm. sky and the movie began? Now the camera's panning up as the movie's ending back up into the clouds as the whimsical music ends. What a beautiful way to end the movie, wouldn't you say, Ben? Yeah, it is very nice. But that is not the last (laughs) thing we see. This part's a little debatable. Uh, We'll get into it. No, the last thing we see is we're now in outer space. We see the Earth... And some debris hurtling towards the camera. For years, I thought it was just like generic satellites or space junk. And then we hear... It's not. Then we see a figure hurtling helplessly towards the camera. Who is it, Ben? It is the one and only BZ flying amongst all of the broken pieces of the Patchmobile. And as he's flailing around helplessly... In space, he's 
screaming. And then the last thing we see is BZ's body flailing around helplessly as he floats into the vast void of outer space, presumably to his death. <laughs> Merry Christmas! <laughs> That, oh, that, that was that is a very unsettling ending, and it was even more unsettling when I was just watching it in isolation to take my notes because the Mancini music goes from the whimsical "Oh, we're leaving the North Pole" the movie's ending, and then it gets like kind of menacing as BZ's <laughs> floating off into space. That is quite the thing to show kids as the last few frames of your Santa Claus movie. Well, at least he wasn't dead. Th- that's true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> If you remember, uh, this part of the movie actually takes place right after um, all of this takes place after Santa catches Joe and Patch in the in the uh, sleigh after the Patchmobile explodes. BZ getting arrested and floating up into space and disappearing is all happens at the same time in the book. It's not split up like it is in the movie. So everything is together. So in the book, it isn't a big shock. This almost feels like it should have been like a post credit scene. Yeah, it should have been split up. Like, give us a, give us a little chance to breathe after the happy ending. Yeah. So do you want to do you want me to read what it says in the book about BZ floating in space? I definitely do because I think what you're about to read was the one thing I did know about the book because years ago when I started researching for this podcast, I found somebody posted this passage on Twitter like, "Can you believe they put this in the Santa Claus the movie novelization?" <laughs> okay. Here we go. <clears throat> When BZ recovered his senses and found the courage to open his eyes, he let out a howl of outrage and dismay that should have echoed around the world. But somehow the earth had suddenly become no more than a vast misty ball unimaginably far below him. From where he hung permanently suspended in orbit, he could do nothing but watch the world he had hoped to rook so royally slowly roll by forever beyond his reach, forever safe from him now. He had been sent into permanent exile by the very magic he had planned to exploit and the greed that had driven him to do it. A rare example of a truly higher justice. From now on, his only companions would be meteors and satellites and cast off NASA flotsam, the space garbage of which he had become one more piece. (laughs) <laughs> Different from the rest, only in the quality and quantity of noise he broadcast. Get me down. Get me out of here, he bellowed and then bellowed again. But as they say in space, no one can hear you scream. BZ rolled through the blackness like the harvest moon literally hoist on his own petard, kicking and screaming graciously into the good night. <laughs> the Twitter user was got a kick out of the author of the novelization 
sneaking in a reference to the alien movie tagline in space no one can hear you scream yes obviously joan joan vin vinez joan vinge vinge obviously joan vinge was a big sci-fi fan slipping that in there (laughs) do you think bz deserved his fate um I know, I know, I don't he, think I know he deserved he... to die in space. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm thinking. It's like <laughs> I know he was greedy, and yeah. he and Cornelia didn't really get on. But he wasn't, he wasn't, he didn't abuse Cornelia or anything. I don't think Cornelia. I think Cornelia may have been a little shocked that he ultimately is <clears throat> flying to his doom. I um, I don't think he deserved to die. I don't think he did anything that bad. I mean, he did kind of just let patch not know that the candy canes could kill someone but there's a lot of you know i mean there's a lot of uh leeway in that you know what i mean like the candy canes could have not hurt anyone you know what i mean like it could have not been a problem at all who knows and he, he did, um i think just going to jail would have been fine he did bring this he did bring <laughs> this fate on himself not thinking through yes, he didn't help stuffing his face full of candy canes. I'm just thinking, in terms right. of the movie, did BZ deserve this fate? I don't Though think so. I do think he would have been back somehow in Santa Claus 2. He would have just been... Yeah. His suit might have been a little tattered. He'd been, oh, you can't believe... You won't believe the night I had. <laughs> I think they were going more for a comedic yeah. ending than a, you know, he... Cause, if they wanted it to be a very scary, clear, like, capitalism bad, you know what I mean? They could have just frozen his face and had him just frozen. Still, oh, my God. That'd be even worse. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. F- flailing around is a bit more cartoonish. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That, was, like, that would have been very unsettling <laughs> if I thought this was unsettling. Just his life, lifeless corpse. <laughs> floating yeah. into the darkness of space oh my exactly. gosh while sheena easton plays <laughs> yeah wouldn't have gone over well also going back to my early days researching for this podcast i'm glad it's still there so i can quote it to you but on the imdb page for santa claus the movie under the goofs section i i, I just want to read this it was there years ago it's still there today at the very end of the movie BZ is shown floating far away in outer space, far from Earth's atmosphere. Since there's no oxygen in outer space, he should be dead, not angry, and screaming for help. (laughs) They're not wrong. (laughs) He would have frozen to death. I I feel like I can almost hear it being read in the, um, actually, BZ is shown floating far away from, in outer space, far from Earth's atmosphere. There's no oxygen in outer space. Let me push my glasses up my nose. (laughs) I mean, they're not wrong. That is true. But I suppose the entire goof section could be filled up with stuff like that. Actually, how did Patch's car... I mean, our whole... I can't can't throw any stones. Our entire podcast has been, um, actually, how did Patch's car move faster (laughs) than Santa's sleigh? Yeah, that's that, that's yeah. what we've been doing for the past three years. I can't say anything, so I apologize, IMDb goofs editor. I, I'm sorry. They put in one entry. We've talked 105 minutes. 
105 episodes doing the same thing. Yeah, when the, when the final credit rolls and we wrap up episode minute 108, you should drop every single episode we've done into your iTunes and just see how long the playlist goes for. How many oh how many God, days it goes for. <laughs> I'm not saying you'd have to listen to it, binge listen to every episode, <laughs> but I'm just curious no, thank you. how long the runtime would be. How many times more we've talked about the movie than the movie actually runs on screen? As I said, as BZ floats off into outer space, the credits begin to roll. We hear the familiar voice of Sheena Easton singing the very first line of our beloved song. We've been ending every one of our podcasts with the same clip. (laughs) She starts to sing, it's Christmas all over the world tonight. No, no, you didn't do it right. It's Christmas. And we are heading right now into Christmas season. I don't understand why this song by Sheena doesn't play on all the Christmas radio stations. Maybe it's going to play on our Christmas playlist. Well, yeah, but I mean like when you tune in to the all Christmas 24-7 station. It might be the runtime of the song. This is like a five-minute song. Uh, They don't care. They could play a radio cut. (laughs) We should, what we should do is our local radio station, when they're having their 100% Christmas music all the time, is we should submit a request for... (laughs) Sheena Easton. I know. In in another timeline, instead of Mariah <laughs> getting all the love for her song at Christmas time, it would be Sheena. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Give Mariah. It would have if this movie was bigger than it ended up being. This song would have been. Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. And our first credit, end credit appears on the screen. I can't believe it. Here it is, the first end credit of many. Directed by Jano Schwartz. And I think I've said his name differently every time I've said it. I <laughs> apologize, Jano. And I also apologize for waiting until minute 104 <laughs> to talk about your illustrious career. But we had to do it justice. And we did, he did appear in the movie. He made a little cameo as a courtroom uh, news photographer back in minute something or another that i'm too lazy to look up but he was in there and we did mention him then but are you ready to take a deep dive into his career right now okay i'm ready all right tell me about him so french director whose credits go back to 1969 where he got to start directing tv episodes and tv movies most notably 19 episodes of night gallery 13 episodes of kojak but you'll also see other familiar things, like an episode here or there of like Perry Mason and the Rockford Files, things like that. And then, thanks to his directing on Night Gallery, that got him the gig in 1978, directing the sequel to one of the biggest movies up to that point, Jaws. He directed Jaws 2 in 1978, which also co-starred Jeffrey Kramer, Towser from this mm-hmm. movie. So there's a connection there. He followed that up mm-hmm. in 1981, a drama Somewhere in Time with Christopher Reeves and Jane Seymour. And then he got on the Sulkins radar, probably because working with Christopher Reeve. He directed yeah, Supergirl, which came out the year before Santa Claus the movie. Mm-hmm. So he was in the Sulkin factory by that point, and he just mm-hmm. walked right into directing this movie. Now, unfortunately, both... Supergirl and Santa Claus 
were two back-to-back disappointments for the Salkins. Mm-hmm. And I think Janot ended up in movie jail in Hollywood. Like, <laughs> no more no more theatricals for you. He went back to directing TV movies for a few years. And then he came roaring back on the scene, late 90s to about 2009. Oh, wow. He directed some TV movies in the meantime. But he became quite the prolific TV director for about a decade, from about 1999 to about 2009. And I'm going to read you some of his credits. And in the past, we've glossed over, especially the the British actors' careers, where it's like, oh, then he did a bunch of stuff that I don't recognize. Mm -hmm. Janot here has quite a few credits from the past, I want to say past 10 years, but it was like 10 years prior to the past 10 years ago <laughs> that you, you you will recognize. Okay. Let's get into it, okay? Okay, I'm waiting. Tell me. <laughs> so he's he did episodes of Ally McBeal. He did one episode of CSI Miami. I'm watching that episodes, right now. <laughs> 18 episodes of The Practice. 19 episodes of JAG. Oh, one I episode of those. Numbers. Oh, I used Two to watch episodes that. of Boston Legal. Twelve episodes of Without a Trace. Oh, I watched that. Three episodes of Raising the Bar. Six episodes of Heroes. Seven episodes of Cold Case. Oh, I watched that. Fourteen episodes of Smallville. Oh, I watched that. One episode of The Protector. Seven episodes of Fringe. Four episodes of Private Practice. One episode of Almost Human. Five episodes of Supernatural. What? No way. I know. He uh, did an episode in season six, seven, eight, nine, and ten. Like one episode a season, they brought him in to do something. Whoa. Five episodes of Scandal, four episodes of Castle. Oh. Fifteen episodes of Bones. What? Jeez. Two episodes of Criminal Minds Beyond Borders. Oh, okay. And then he wrapped things up with 15 episodes of Grey's Anatomy. Okay. Wow. And his last last credited director, directorial credit here on IMDb was a season 15 episode 14 oh he's still at it this last episode he did season 15 episode 14 of Grey's Anatomy I want a new drug was from 2019 oh wow so at least until a couple years ago Janoa was still doing it he would (laughs) still come in and do an episode or two of TV nice isn't that isn't that isn't that crazy? That is crazy. So there we go. We gave him his due finally. <laughs> and one last credit briefly appears on the screen. We'll talk more about it next week. Mm-hmm. It says an Alexander and Ilya Salkine production. Yeah. Now there's quite the rabbit hole to fall down to. The epilogue to Santa Claus the movie. What happened to the Salkins? It, it's quite the tale. And we will get into it next time as the credits continue to roll. <laughs> the fall of the Selkin Empire. So you'll want to stay tuned for that. <laughs> All right, Ben. Anything to add from the book before we float off into outer space? Well, I do have a little more, but I don't know if I should save it till the very last episode of our podcast or if I should do it now. I'll do it now. Then I can put the book away and I don't have to worry about it. I won't have to try to <laughs> keep bringing it out next week. So instead of... so. <clears throat> so to put this into perspective, mm-hmm. instead of ending with BZ floating off into space, mm-hmm. the book has a totally different ending. We could have seen this after the big elf dance party, theoretically. Theoretically. Uh, this is right after he would start preparing in earnest for a wonderful Christmas for the next year. 
And just as Santa Claus never truly stopped believing in Christmas, the children of the world had not forgotten him or stopped believing in him either. Soon, one letter after another began to drift northward, carried on the back of the wind, letters filled with love and apology. So I have a couple of letters from some kids. <clears throat> a five-year-old boy wrote, Dear Santa Claus, my name is Jimmy. I'm sorry last year how I threw away your present. Will you be my <laughs> friend again? This Christmas, I would like a bicycle and a baseball bat and dot, dot, dot. And then a girl printed carefully, Dear Santa, I'm glad you are all right. I really didn't like that lollipop last year. It made me air sick. Since then, I've been a good girl, and I would like a doll with curly red hair. <laughs> and then another one, Dear Santa, please don't be mad about last year. My little brother wants a guitar, but my mom says dot, dot, dot. <laughs> so Santa sat in his chair reading letter after letter until he was smiling ear to ear. He sighed and settled back, putting his feet up at the end of a long day, sipping on cocoa with marshmallows and watching the colors of the fire. Anya smiled fondly from the bedroom doorway where she had just tucked in the children into their beds as all around the compound the elves and even the reindeer were settling into their beds for another long winter's nap. In the perfect stillness of the polar night, the lights began to wink out one by one in the elves' village slowly melting into the greater darkness. But above the mountain where the peaceful town lay, Aurora still twinkled and shone, its crystalline colors rising from the great Christmas tree of light. Crowned by the North Star, the brightest star of all in that magical place, the shining tree marked the spot as it marks it still, where the true magic of unselfish love has always existed and always will, it is a place that few of us may never see, but it exists somewhere beyond the edge of our reality. And gentle reader, if you believe in Santa Claus in your own secret heart, in the spirit of loving generosity, in the true and sometimes almost forgotten meaning of Christmas, you may glimpse those twinkling lights in the darkness when you dream tonight. The book is done. I'm done with the book. That was it. That was it? That was the end of the book. What a sweet ending. Yeah. What a sweet ending. Very nice. I can't believe you're done the book. I'm done, done it. With the I'm novel. done the book. This book has so many sticky notes and pencil marks and it is almost what I've had to tape the spine back together a couple of times. This is a loved book. <laughs> I'll probably read it again a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come back and you'll find something new that you didn't read. Oh, I forgot to read this part. I, I have nothing else in my notes. It's all credits for the next four minutes. And I don't even think minute 108 is a complete 60 no, seconds. So. I don't believe it is. But don't tune out yet. We have some very interesting things to say as the credits roll. I feel like somebody can make a really interesting documentary or documentary series on the rise and fall of alexander sulkin's empire movie making empire well you'll get into that next it's week. a pretty it's a pretty wild no. ride next week we've touched on it here and there but yeah we'll get into it we'll get into it later all right so here we are minute 104 happy ending for all except for bz 
Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> what can you do? <laughs> and I was also wondering, it's like, oh, if we want to get really dark, it's possible that Towser and Grizzard get arrested for the murder of Cornelia. It's like yeah. no body was ever found. There's some true po- crime podcast. Yeah. In the Santa Claus the movie universe about this. <laughs> she, the last contact anyone had was when she called the police. That'd be a fun little short story to write. The nanny, well, we finished eating breakfast at 8.05 and then she went back up to her room. And that's the last anyone ever saw of Cornelia Zimmerman. Anyway, anyway, let's get back to Earth. Yeah. to plug where people can find us online, all the normal places. You guys know where to find us. Go to the website for some supplemental material. You can find us on the social medias. If you have anything to say to us about Santa Claus the movie, SantaByTheMinute at gmail.com. Until this movie ends, Ben and I post a brand new episode each and every Wednesday. And as always, you can listen to any of those episodes. Hot cream!